3: Welcome to Cast Club Radio. My name is Lydia Cruz.
0: And I'm Justin Stiefel.
3: And I'm Maura Dooley. Thanks for being here on this holiday weekend. We're getting ready to celebrate Father's Day tomorrow. Big, big holiday in all of our households, I think. Justin, happy early Father's Day to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Just got back from a long week in New York last night, so it's good to be home.
3: Oh, yeah. So what were you doing in New York?
0: Just business meetings. Business
3: meetings. Do you guys have any special... Father's Day traditions that you like to do, whether it's something you eat or an activity?
0: Well, our kids are still at a a good, manageable range of ages, so um, we will sometimes take in a baseball game at Safeco Field for the Mariners, but oftentimes we just get together, watch the game on TV, and we barbecue, and we're we're thankful that my dad is still alive and Jennifer's dad is still alive, and so we all get to get together as a big family and celebrate Father's Day with uh, three generations of family.
3: That is pretty cool. Well, you yeah. mentioned the Mariners. It's also, that's a great activity to be doing right now. The Mariners still uh, very competitive and always makes for a good family outing.
0: It's great. And, uh, you know, if, if you're going to turn a little baseball geek, just watch the number of games that they've been winning by one run, um, <laughs> the number of saves that uh, Diaz is on pace to get. It's it's a, almost a record-breaking pace. He's, I ran the numbers uh, early in the week, and He's on pace to hit 56 saves, which would put him within the top three all-time of uh, saves for Major League Baseball. Uh, Now, a lot of things have to happen, but that's (laughs) a better pace to be on than the alternative. And it's just cool to see the vibe around the region and people responding, excited, and talking about the Mariners with a smile on their face. It's been a while since we've been able to do that, and we congratulate them on their success.
3: Absolutely. And if you are at Safeco Field this weekend, you can always stop by the BSB Lounge as well.
0: Well, and big news! They have now opened up cocktails in the lower bowl. This Woo-hoo! is the first time ever at <laughs> Safeco Field, and uh, so you'll see four branded bar carts in the lower bowl. And so now anybody who is twenty-one and over can get access to be to a BSB anywhere in the stadium.
4: Wow, that is so cool! Pretty sure you'll see it's Lydia and I posting some pictures <laughs> yeah. from there very soon.
0: <laughs> That's right. Celebrate the bottom of the fifth in style.
3: Absolutely. Speaking of news, what is in the headlines this week?
0: Well, we found the story was uh, interesting. You know, the Kardashians never seem to stay out of the spotlight very long. And uh, in this article, we found Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, who, are, of course, are married to one another and a power couple. Uh, they bought Chris Jenner a champagne vending machine.
4: Wow. I didn't know this existed, yeah. but I want one.
0: I didn't either. <laughs> so they bought this champagne vending machine that dispenses seemingly unlimited supplies of Moet and Chandon as a housewarming gift. Chris Jenner posted the video of the kitchen gadget on Instagram, along with a caption that says, when a forklift shows up at my house on Monday morning with a champagne vending machine and an unlimited supply of Moet Shandon. Chandon. Now, I wonder if there's any paid product placement going on here, because it got a lot of hits on social media, and they were very effective at spreading the word.
2: Yeah,
3: and they noticed they are tagged in the post that Chris... Chris posted a video when it arrived at her house, and on Instagram she wrote, when a forklift shows up at my house on Monday morning with a champagne vending machine and an unlimited supply of Moet Chandon champagne, I am jumping for joy, and I'm not going to lie, a little drunk. So she <laughs> she made sure to tag right. them. There's, now, a, there's a little nifty product placement happening.
0: The only way this could be better is if you had a pipeline pumping whiskey into your house, which, of course, I do, yeah. and they don't. <laughs>
3: So that would be your unlimited drink of choice if you could have if you could have one. You'd go whiskey.
0: I'd, I'd go uh, yeah whiskey.
3: Yeah, Maura, do you have a pick? Champagne would Champs, be up there for me. Champagne yeah. is up there for me as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Chris Jenner, if you are listening, invite our friend Mara over to your house to yeah. test out your vending machine. Just
3: you know, like quality control. She'll help you out. <clears throat> I really want to <clears> hang out with right. the Kardashians though. Control.
0: No. Well, no, I'm good on that. You don't want to say that. She's, <laughs> she's going to invite you to their house. Don't okay, I'm sorry.
4: We'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, next, we found our friend Snoop Dogg helped to set the world's record for the largest gin and juice. Now, why is this important? Because, of course, his song, Gin and Juice, inspired by the drink, uh, the song was huge in the early 90s and helped put him on the map along with Dr. Dre. And uh, they recently were performing... At the Bottle Rock Napa Valley Music Festival in California, the drink was a huge, huge container, almost like a dunk booth size Mm -hmm. where someone would, would drop in. The drink contains 180 bottles of gin, 154 bottles of apricot brandy, and 38 jugs of orange juice, according to the folks at Guinness Book. And uh, then he's sitting there with a huge paddle scooping this up. And a photo they have online is of the folks from Guinness Book giving him the actual record for the world's largest gin and juice.
3: I love that they garnished it with an entire watermelon. And complete with uh, with a pink umbrella, cause what else? and a giant straw, because what else would it be without that?
0: That's right. And I love that they've used uh, apricot brandy in there. (laughs) (laughs) Just add more alcohol, more alcohol.
3: Add more. Yeah, this is Bottle Rock is, uh, we interviewed uh, the CEO of a Bottle Rock Music Festival, and they always seem to be doing something quirky or something cool to, to set their festival apart. So this is pretty neat.
0: That's right. It's getting bigger every year, and uh, it's uh, an ode to everything that is adult beverage and music. And lastly, in the news, if you're going to head down to Napa Valley anytime soon, you can jump on the Napa Valley Beer Train. It is uh, only $75 for your ticket, and it's being sponsored by a local brewery. Uh, Napa Palisades Beer Company, which is going to showcase three of its flagship beers. The journey is two hours long. The parts on Mondays at 5:30, and uh, the first is going to start on June 18th.
4: Nice. Yeah, I would I'm think right. if I was in Napa, I Monday. would want to go on the. I would want to go on the wine version, but it's nice that they're branching out and trying different things like tequila and beer for those that maybe aren't as into wine.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the wineries, the rules and laws down there require them to close their winery tasting rooms at 5 or 5.30 or 6. So the fact that this is starting at 5.30 on Mondays, um, this is after you have visited wineries and uh, maybe in lieu of going to dinner, instead you'd have dinner and beer on the Napa Valley Beer Train.
3: Works out perfectly all day at the wineries and then at night head out on the train.
0: That's right, that's right.
3: Coming up on Cast Club Radio, well, one drink that is perfect for summer is growing and becoming more popular in unexpected ways. We'll explain. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks again for being here with us today. One of the most popular drinks now that it is summertime, we're officially into summer, even summer solstice is creeping up on us, is rosé. And with skyrocketing sales and tons of marketing behind it, Rosé is becoming even more popular.
0: Yeah, we're seeing the evolution of Rosé. Once only confined to wine, now spirits makers have launched Rosé Gin. Uh, they've launched uh, rosé vodka, and there are some uh, additional rosé-themed uh, batch cocktails that are coming out on the market later on this year. So the drive to take advantage of the color pink and everything that it mm-hmm. symbolizes is not going away anytime soon.
4: Yeah, I actually tried Angry Orchard's Rosé Cider recently. How was that? There's so many different things. I think I might prefer the original. It was a little sweet, but worth a shot.
0: (laughs) I was told by a friend that uh, Rosé has been hugely popular in the summer in the Hamptons. Uh, To the point where the people who live in the Hamptons, the rich and the famous and the powerful, have started to call it Hamptons Gatorade. I love that. (laughs) Um, So while the rest of the country was busy drinking Four Locos and uh, Red Bull and vodka shots uh, in in the Hamptons, they're having Hamptons Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) Without electrolytes. So
3: it's ties to the Hamptons in the past. Has that been one of the reasons that maybe people have been deterred in the past, whether they thought it was less accessible or... As I've heard, I've heard, too gendered, uh, too French even at some points. Is that some of the reason that maybe people have been deterred in the past?
0: Um, I think the color is turns some people off. Um, you've got people who are uh, traditionalists who are very much into white wines and specific kinds of white wines. You've got some that are very focused on reds only. And red is kind of that blend, um, not necessarily a naturally occurring Uh, Varietal, And, in fact, uh, as we looked up some of the history of rosé, we we looked at how rosé was made, and essentially there are three methods to producing it. One is uh, blending a small portion of red and white uh, to produce the pink color. The serious method of producing rosé wines is the skin contact or maceration method, basically making red wine in the style of a white wine in stainless steel tanks. The grapes are generally lightly crushed, and the grapes and juice are allowed to macerate to impart color from the skin's and then that can be anywhere from a couple of hours to a day or more, depending on the level of color the winemaker is trying to impart. Or again, they can just do a little bit of blending and uh, do the same production as in sparkling rosés.
4: I love sparkling rosé.
0: <laughs> One of my favorites.
4: And it usually tends to be a bit drier, too. You don't have to worry about a, a sweet sparkling rosé as much. I guess there are a few out there.
0: Yeah, and a lot of it will depend on the type of grape. So the type of grape obviously leads to the flavor profile. So vintners can make rosé with red wine grapes such as Cabernet, Grenache, Pinot Noir, or even Malbec's, which tend to be a little a little more stout in terms of the flavor profile. And uh, the way that, that sets it apart is the technique for how the winemaker chooses to make it, as I just mentioned.
3: So has rosé gone through sort of a mercurial interest level in the United States? I was looking into a little bit of the history that you guys have compiled and Sounds like it was very big. There was a big love affair with it, so to speak, back in the days of AM radio and the Beach Boys. But what happened in the market to sort of fluctuate that?
0: Well, rosé is usually a little sweeter. It's not as dry necessarily as some of the more traditional white wine methods. It has some of those hints of red, but it's 90 degrees on the beach. The sun is beating down on you. The first thing that comes to your mind is not to order a thick red Cabernet or blend uh, of red wines uh, when it's 90 degrees out. You want something that's light, crisp, refreshing, slightly sweet, something you can have on ice, uh, but not necessarily going so dry as the traditional white wine methods. So uh, that's why you see the emphasis in the summertime on rosés, especially pre-chilled rosés.
3: And in the 1990s, it really made a comeback, right? Because they did focus on that lighter, crisper...
0: They did in the '80s. You had Bartles and James that was uh, bringing up the uh, in the Seagram's kind of coolers, um, the pre-batch stuff. In yeah. the '90s, um, you saw a lot of the Beringer. Behringer came out with their big bottles of rosé, yeah, super, uh, super sweet, super um, sweet, kind of a value brand, and um, you know, huge volume, huge production, and again depending on the type of production you have in your facility and how much you crush the grapes, you may be able to separate some of the wines so you can be making different volumes of different types of flavor profiles of wines using all the same equipment in the in the multi-day process.
4: Speaking of enjoying it when it's hot outside, have either of you guys tried Froze? No, but I want to. I was to. in
0: Vegas <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and they had a Froze machine at, yeah. the, at the Gia restaurant, which is... She's the very uh, famous uh, chef that has a restaurant right on the corner there across from Caesar's Palace, And they have a huge frozen rosé machine with the proprietary recipe, of course, because they put other stuff in there, including sangria and fresh fruit juices.
4: Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Here in town, the Bottle House in Madrona serves them their, their own version that they make from scratch. Yeah. Delicious summer drink.
0: Well, again, as the days <laughs> get longer, it gets hotter. We in the Northwest here go do a lot of camping and picnicking and hiking, and especially we spend a lot of time on our boats. Rosé is just an easy thing to grab if you want something that's light and refreshing, like a white wine, but a little sweeter and a little more attuned to today's palates.
3: We've talked a lot in the past about social media tie-ins on our show and how powerful those can be. Well, I hear there is a really interesting movement going on with rosé, the brosé movement.
0: I have not participated in the rosé <laughs> Come on, Justin. Huh? It's well, you not, strike me uh, as
3: a guy that if you wanted to drink some
4: rosé, would just drink some rosé. Apparently, these are guys that felt like they couldn't before, but now that mm-hmm. they've banded together, they're trying to make it okay.
0: Did they have really long beards and long sleeve <laughs> flannels on and shorts. Maybe. But I feel like I'm going back to uh, early days of, of Pearl Jam, but with a glass of rosé. I don't, I don't quite see the two mixing together. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Well, and then we, we found this other story about now there is actually an educational pop-up, a rosé wine mansion that's going to be opening in New York this summer that you can visit.
0: Yeah, it opens July 12th and it will run through October 7th. It's 45 bucks. It's a 14-room, two-story building dedicated to rosé and the educational experience around it. The 45 bucks gets you the entry fee and you get eight samples of rosé equaling about two full glasses of wine. And uh, the mansion also has a pool filled with roses, a bar filled with uh, pink sand, and a gold chandelier swing that you can sit in. There will be a blending lab where mansion goers can create their own rosé blends, which would be quite interesting, I think. And at the end of the experience, you can buy more drinks at the Rosé Wine Bar, which claims to have the world's largest selection of rosé wine in the U.S.
4: Wow. That sounds like a great tasting experience, but I go back to social media where the description of the inside of that also sounds like something people would do for the Instagram photos. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. Instagram and (laughs) Pinterest. Yeah. And for folks who are thinking about how to plan parties and making it easy for yourself, we talk a lot about batch drinks Mm -hmm. and uh, i think if you get a good rosé and use that as the base for sangria you'll end up with a lighter version of sangria than if you use a a really uh, heavier thicker red wine and uh, so maybe this year we'll see some people uh, put rosé sangria on instagram
3: there we go send us your pictures on instagram Coming up on Cast Club Radio, well, it is Father's Day tomorrow, and it's okay if you don't have the right gift quite yet. We're going to help you out with that. We've got some great ideas for Father's Day gifts. Plus, we'll also talk to our friend Seth Stankis, who is a member of the Heritage Distilling Cast Club. He'll explain why that makes such a great gift this Father's Day. It's all next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks again for being with us. In just a few minutes, we'll chat with Seth Stankis, member of the Cast Club at Heritage Distilling. Uh, In the meantime, though, we've got a couple of gift ideas for you, including the Cast Club, if you're interested in giving that to your father this Father's Day. Justin, how do people go about doing that?
0: Yeah, we have two uh, very easy gifts to give for dad on very short notice. Tomorrow is Father's Day and if you've not gotten him anything, go to heritagedistilling.com and the best two options in short notice are going to be the Cast Club membership and that's a membership where dad uh, gets his own barrel and he gets to choose what he wants in the barrel, bourbon or rye or vodka or gin and he gets to custom agent in the barrel. He gets to sample it and when he likes it, he gets to pull the bottles out, custom labels and custom proofing and it really is a great way for dad to enjoy this experience all year round. It is an annual membership. And as part of being a member of the Cast Club, you get to go to any of our distillery locations, go to the tasting rooms, get samples, bring friends and guests, and you get 20% off everything we do and sell as a member. So it's a great gift for Dad. The other gift idea you can get him is a My Batch gift certificate. And MyBatch is our... Uh, hands-on sessions where you come to our distilleries and you help us make whiskey. And uh, in the span of about three hours, you go from distillation to blending to bottling and labeling and out the door, dad will go with some whiskey. He helped to make that day and that's the My Batch session and again those gift certificates are available online at heritagedistilling.com.
3: You mentioned the word experience. I think that's an important thing to mention there because as we'll, we'll hear from Seth Stankis here in a minute, it really is kind of a group activity. So you're not only getting this for him and maybe he does want to do it by himself but a lot of times it's something that you can do with your family together that is pretty unique and cool.
0: Well and because it is still June, if you sign dad up now and he gets his barrel going sometime in june or july uh, depending on the product he wants to make it could be ready by christmas which means you'd have bottles coming out of dad's barrel this christmas that make great gifts themselves to give to friends and family or just to enjoy with friends around the holiday
4: the gift that keeps on giving yes (laughs) awesome
0: yep Let's talk to a longtime Casco Club member and find out about a little bit about him and his experience in the Casco. Club. Seth,
4: you and your wife Jennifer are both members of the Cast Club with Heritage Distilling. What first got you interested in joining?
0: Jennifer and I were just walking
2: one day through the harbor, right down through kind of the the waterfront area, and kind of stumbled across the Heritage Distillery. And this goes back years ago, and um, and we walked in, and it's a it's a beautiful place to go into, and it was fun, and they you know we were able to sample the the different um, distilled spirits that they have and things. And then we saw these casks on the, on the wall, and we asked about it, and they told us kind of about the cask club um, and how you could, you know, pretty much uh, make whatever you wanted to, and you can kind of tweak it very individually. And it just sits there in ages, and you can come in and test it you know, every month or whatever, and that's kind of what we do. In fact, we even have it on our calendar to go in and and check our uh, our whiskey and our gin. And it was um, it was sitting down and talking to them about what the cat club was, and it sounded like a great idea. And it actually, you know, over the course of a year, it makes a fair amount of whiskey or gin or what whatever you want. And so it was kind of a fun way to to have a year's supply of uh, of whiskey after you make it, at least for me. And then um you know, I've gotten to know the other people uh at Heritage and specifically Dane. Uh <laughs> you may know Dane, he's oh, kind of the legendary. distiller at the uptown part. And um, Dane and I will email back and forth. It's actually really fun. We'll email back and forth about maybe recipes. For example, I really wanted to make something that was very stim- similar to a whiskey called Stag Junior. And I researched and I researched on the internet to find out how they made it, like what their recipe was. And it was never published. And so I reached out to Dane and asked him. And uh, he said, well, you know, he had been researching it, too, and couldn't find it because they don't publish it. But he said that um, he had been experimenting and came up with something that he thought was actually pretty darn close. And so, um, you know, I've worked a lot with Dane to kind of individualize my cast, which I really like. I think that's super cool that, you know, I can pick a flavor profile, if you will, that I like, and and they'll help me design the mash bill for that, and then I can age it in those barrels.
3: Wow. Okay. So it was really just a happenstance. You just walked in.
2: It was totally. We just kind of walked in, saw it. It was a nice place. We liked, uh, we liked the flavors of their distilled spirits, uh, and then they got telling us about uh, just the whole cast club in general, and that's how we got involved in it.
3: That's so cool. So I know Heritage's motto and what they operate under is that every spirit has a story and they really like that to represent their business as well. And is there a specific story behind maybe the first first one you created? And I know we got a little bit of it, but is there a specific story behind what you guys created
2: there in the cast club? Well, I'll speak just for myself because <clears throat> whereas I wanted a really hearty whiskey Jennifer wanted a very different kind of a gin yeah some of the gins that she's made she puts jalapeno peppers in and pineapple juice I mean some really like odd things that you would never think of in a gin but for me what what I was looking for was a really full-bodied hearty like real strong whiskey and those are really hard to find you you can buy whiskeys that are small batch or whatnot um, but they're they're kind of um, they're tough to find and <clears throat> and heritage gave me the opportunity to kind of make my own the way I wanted it to be and then even tweak it along the way like for example you can at the end of the the aging time in the barrel if you want to slip a, a couple vanilla beans in there just for like maybe a month or a few weeks just to give it like a hint of it all, like you you have total creativity um, over. Uh, how you want your whiskey to taste and how you want it to age in the barrel. And that's what I like about it. And and that was the one that I really liked when I was at Heritage. They had one called, I think it's called the Double Barrel Whiskey. And it had just a hint, just a hint of vanilla on it, real slight. But I really liked that. But I wanted it to be a little bit more robust, like a heartier flavor. And that's what I was able to work with Dane on that first cask that I made I was able to tweak the mash bill to make it kind of a heartier whiskey flavor, but I still wanted to have that little hint of vanilla in there. So something that was different than anything I had ever tried before. Um, And I don't know how you would ever do that if it wasn't for something like the cask club, where you could totally tweak it the way you want.
3: It's pretty unique. We talked a little bit about when you get to taste your product finally. Is there any sort of special occasion or special that you guys waited to, to open your cask for?
2: No, so this is the fun part. So we go down there, I say, about every, about every month. We have it on our calendar to go down and taste. And so when you go into taste, you know Jennifer and I are both members, so they're pulling down two barrels. And so honestly, that's pretty fun in and of itself. You know, they get the ladders out, they pull your barrel down, they put it in the stand um, on the countertop, and they pop the cork off, and then they put a little pipette, that little glass measuring thing that's almost like a straw. And they bring out you know a tasting of what you have in there and so the fun part of this for me is that i go like every month and the last batch i made aged for 14 months so a year and two months it's a long time so you know i went every month and would taste a fair amount of it and so it actually was kind of funny because by the time i got to the 14 months I think I only had two bottles left in my (laughs) calf because I had tasted it so many times (laughs) along the way. But that's pretty fun to go down there and and taste the whiskey. And you get to taste what the oak does to it, like with every passing, you know, few weeks. And that's a really cool learning experience kind of in the whiskey process.
4: Seth, I know you and your wife, Jennifer, both work in the medical field now. You've also both served in the military. How did you end up in Gig Harbor?
2: I did my training at Madigan uh, at Fort Lewis. And and that was many, many years ago, back in the late 80s. And so we've had ties to this area. Uh, and when I got out of the military uh, after 14 years uh, in 2003, uh, Jennifer and I moved back here to the Puget Sound area and we moved to Gig Harbor.
3: You So you mentioned your military service. I know one of the things that Heritage does is they have a special. Yeah, yeah the Special Forces Bourbon. Cool. What do you think about that?
2: Um, I'm really proud of Heritage for... Making that um, that commitment to our veterans and and to the military in general and I, I love to see that support Especially in our community because like you know Fort Lewis and well Joint Base Lewis McCord I mean, there's a lot of active duty and retirees in the area and it's just really nice to honor the vets and the active duty um, uh, people um, through the products that Heritage uh, uh, offers and i have to say that the whiskey that they made for the first special forces group it's that special edition yeah. uh, whiskey is an outstanding whiskey we save that for special occasions
3: oh it's great what's a, a little bit about the community in general for people you know you said it's a, a small gig harbor adjacent place but what is it like living down there in that community and maybe what part heritage has 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 down there
2: Yeah. So, you know, Gig Harbor is an interesting place because the harbor is about half kind of working boats and half pleasure boats. And so it's still a pretty active, you know, fishing harbor and, you know, the the boats harbor there and then go out into the Sound. And so, you know, there's a lot of um, commercial activity at the waterfront, Um, but then it has this real interesting blend with an artistic flair as well. And there's a lot of art shops and every year they do the art walk where you know you kind of go from place to place and look at different specialty art things at different locations uh, all within walking distance in the harbor and heritage is kind of right smack in the center of all of it just kind of literally right down on the waterfront and during um, an ideal location right at that intersection there's a lot of activity there it's kind of an artsy, trendy, fun. And the harbor is just a fun place to be. And it's nice. It's friendly. You know, it's a real personable place.
3: Wow. Yeah. I I need to get down there more. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. My we, pleasure. If you want to find out more information, as always, you can go to HeritageDistilling.com. Up next on Cast Club Radio, though, we check in with Distiller Dane. He's got a brand new top five for us plus a new cocktail recipe. That's more of an edible recipe that you will want to try for Father's Day. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Earlier in the show we heard from our friend Seth Stankus, who is a member of the Cast Club with Heritage Distilling and he gave a little shout out to the next person we have on the line, Distiller Dane with how helpful that Dane has been in the past answering back and forth about Cast Club any questions that he has had in the past. But today we get another top 5 From distiller day and how are you doing
1: i'm doing good how's everyone doing
3: we haven't heard from you in a little while you know it's it's good to have you back
1: yeah it feels good to be back
3: well we're getting all set for father's day tomorrow what is on your top five in the meantime
1: my top five uh number one on my list i recently took a little small trip to the north cascades area kind of near the border of canada i've visited a really cool spot called lake diablo have you guys heard of or seen pictures of this place yes. before uh, yeah i've been there I believe. all right the cool thing about it is it has this bright turquoise green color to the water inside the lake it's and it's produced from right? the glacier water melting down and pulling the the dirt and sand from the rocks into it and it's the color of it is actually amazing, especially on a fun, sunny day. There's also tons of wildlife there. Uh, I saw quite a few deers when I was there hiking through some trails. And we also ran into a bear when the bear was doing his little butt dance against the tree and grinding <laughs> his back against it.
4: <laughs> was it
3: scary it's or exactly fun? It was really
1: funny to okay. see in person. So. <laughs> I was going
3: to say, that that seems fun like in a cartoon, but I'd be a little bit terrified, I admit, if I happened in person. Oh,
1: it was dang, far dang, enough away to not be fair. terrified, but close enough to be hilarious. What's number two on your list? Uh, Number two. So the drive to the lake was a little far away uh, from where I was, but we got to go through all these small towns and we drove through a place called Rockport on the way there. There's actually a little winery on the side of the road called Glacier Peak Winery. And it's a very casual spot. You can just kind of pull over and get some tastings. And they actually grow the grapes for their white white wines on the property there. Uh, the grapes for their red wines are sourced um, from other parts of Washington. But they had a very interesting Syrah there. It was actually came from a vineyard near Lake Chelan that recently had uh, fires. Before the grapes were picked, and so the Syrah had this natural, nice smoky flavor to it, which was quite interesting—kind of something you would get out of like a porter or a stout. And I know earlier in uh, some of the cast club radios, we were talking about all the fires in Oregon this last recently, and how that would affect the grapes on there. Got kind of a glimpse of what that could be like—smoke taint.
0: That's what they call that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was—it was, it was actually very delicious with the Syrah. I would—I definitely drink more of it. And a cigar, I'm sure. <laughs>
3: number, oh, three.
1: Uh, number three. Number three. I'm not too much of a wine guy, so I also had to make a beer stop. And I've been waiting to check out this newer brewery that I heard of um, up in Arlington. And it's called Skookum Brewing. Um, and this place is really cool. It's kind of your typical huge open room brewery, but you can see their whole production line. There's not even a main wall between it. It's also dog friendly and it was a little bit rainy. So there was about 20 dogs inside there that day, which could be a love or hate thing for you, but I'm all for it. <laughs> Love, love. Uh, But some of the things to check out is they had a brand-new IPA that weekend, uh, which was brewed with oats and spelt. I believe it was called the Manuscript. And they also had a very beautiful uh, bourbon barrel-aged stout with coffee, cinnamon, and vanilla. If you go to Skookum, check those two beers out.
0: All right. Skookum. Skookum Brewery in Arlington.
1: Number four. Number four. I've always been a huge Dexter fan of the TV show. I don't yes. know about you guys, but yes, uh, uh, yeah. Michael C. Hall, the main character, he's on a new show now, uh, a Netflix show. Oh, uh, see. So it's exclusive to Netflix, but it's a uh, murder mystery called Safe. Pretty good storyline. I'm not all the way through it yet, but um, it's kind of fun seeing Michael C. Hall in the similar character, but on the opposite side. He's kind of more of a family guy, you know, trying to find a murder rather than being a psychopath trying to cover it up.
4: <laughs> he's got range. <laughs> He's got range He's got range Alright,
0: number five on Dane's top five
1: Alright, number five on my list is scooters Do any of you guys have a scooter?
3: I actually did I had a Honda Metropolitan uh, for a little while I just donated it to charity But I did have one for quite a while I loved it, uh, the was, that
0: was, it motor? was that a little motorized one? Or without a motor?
3: Uh, there was... I'm
1: talking about no motor I'm bringing the Razor scooters Oh,
3: down. okay, yeah. yeah There you go yeah.
1: Well, I had a out. motor. We started this just for fun with some friends about two summers ago, but we've been having the nice weather lately. Uh, basically, went on Craigslist and found some cheap scooters, and we've been getting together and riding them around town. And uh, we'll kind of like go down to places along the water. With, you know, kind of flat sidewalks on a nice day, stop and get some food. It's actually really fun, especially when the weather's nice. Um, it's actually kind of a good workout, too. Like, uh, you yeah. have nice to go along Alki Beach along there or little small towns on the harbor.
0: It's, if any of listeners happen to see a pack of grown adults <laughs> on scooters it's probably distiller dane and his crew so feel free to pull them over and ask for for uh,
1: hey, they get some eyes looking at you when there's a group of you going down the street but <laughs>
0: That's awesome. it's probably better looking than rollerblades though i mean to be honest
1: you know? and <laughs> so we can go we can all go together
0: <laughs> all right dane thanks for the top five
1: Back thank to you work. dane all right thank you have a good day
3: Well, now that we got plenty of things on our to-do list, courtesy of Dane, that we can check off. It's also, again, Father's Day tomorrow, and we have a new cocktail that you can make, whether it's for your dad or for your family while entertaining. Uh, What's on this week's cocktail recipe?
0: Well, this week's cocktail was more of a uh, baked edible, and uh, it'll take a little bit of time to prep, but... It's about what's in season and celebrating with the family. So we're going to make our BSB strawberry shortcake for Dad. That's so sounds good. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's a little bit of prep. So uh, you can cheat and start with some Bisquick baking mix and go. make the biscuits that way, or you can make uh, biscuits from scratch, or you can go and get the, the popping biscuits that you get in the uh,
3: Ooh,
0: yeah in the you know the freezer Pillsbury frozen, t-
3: yeah tin yeah, yeah. The
0: Pillsbury biscuits at the grocery store. So make some biscuits. What we're going to do with the Bisquick method is two cups of Bisquick baking mix, and we're going to have two tablespoons of our BSB brown sugar bourbon, one tablespoon of sugar, Three quarter cup of milk. Put all the ingredients in a bowl, stir them together until mixed. Scoop it into the greased cookie sheet and bake it for 450 degrees for eight minutes. Crumble the biscuit into a bowl. Layer it with sliced strawberries and whipped cream. And we actually, if you're making whipped cream from scratch, you can infuse it with uh, more BSB and make it like adult whipped cream. And just make yourself a strawberry shortcake by putting BSB into the mix and then also into the whipped cream, and everybody will have a great Father's Day.
4: Yeah. Ah, and pair it with a glass of the rosé we were talking about earlier, and you're good to go. rosé.
0: Yep, rosé <laughs> this time of year or some BSB on ice.
3: Perfect. Well, there you have it. You're all set for the holiday season, as always. And if you want to check out that recipe, you can go online to HeritageDistilling.com. It's there for you. All past recipes are there for you as well. You can also download episodes of Cast Club Radio at HeritageDistilling.com or head on over to uh, com and click on the podcast tab at Cast Club Radio.
0: You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at Cast Club Radio. You can also find us on Pinterest. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And one more time, if you're looking for that last-minute gift idea, go to heritagedistilling.com, look for Cast Club, and sign Dad up for his own Cast Club membership.
3: Perfect. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Justin, you in particular have a great Father's Day with your
0: family. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening to
2: Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on
0: Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us
3: out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more
1: and catch up on past episodes. Cask
0: Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage
2: Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.